You're listening to the State of Love and Trust, a Pearl Jam podcast. Follow the show on social media and remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice. Now, here's Jason and Paul. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the State of Love and Trust. It's a Pearl Jam podcast, and I'm one of your two hosts, Jason Carapesi. And alongside me, as always, is... Paul Gilliari. Paul, we are talking about something that is literally three years in the making. And this is a little hint. Oh, no. Your mic's not picking that up. So you know what? Watch this. Watch this, good patrons. No. There we go. You know what that sound is? That is not Jason breaking wind. That is the sound. <laughs> it could be, though. <laughs> of Pearl Jam's all seasons. It, it, it used to be actual seasons. It's just all seasons. <laughs> we'll get into that later. 2019 yeah. Deep Pearl Jam magazine. Yeah. Live and in color. We'll get we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, yeah. I think a lot of you uh, were got a surprise in the mail a few days ago um, as this... Uh, pink and yellow and maybe a skosh of orange um becovered uh episode episode no um issue of deep magazine came to your doorstep uh very strange that we actually because wasn't it digital only for a long time no if you if you're an analog member you get the printed version and the digital pdf if oh, you are right. a digital guess, tank club member it is just the, the so it literally just was the fact that for a second, I thought when I got this that I hadn't gotten, like I'd missed some versions. And then I looked closer. And when it said all seasons 2019, I go, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, we'll get into that in a minute. Uh, I first want to give a big thanks, special thanks to our patrons, all of you who subscribe to us on Patreon. Thank you very much. Um, month two starts in just a few days, and there'll be a fresh episode of Drop in the Show for you, too. Uh, enjoy as many as well as many other things, including a, an exclusive merch poll. So if you are a patron, get online. We want to hear from you. Your opinion matters. We value it. Yeah. What do you want? That's well, what I'm. What I'm other store you. could you go into and say, "I like that shirt," or "I like that merch"? But you know what? If it were me, I'd rather have it this way. Oh, well, <laughs> and then what? corporate looks at you and says. That's a hell of an idea. Let's get our guys on that right now. That's the thing. We are corporate. <laughs> I've worn. I should a say guys tie. and gals. I should say guys and gals. Well, you know, I'm a big fan of um, Jay Kenji Lopez Alt. He's a chef. He has a really good, funny, inter- uh, interesting YouTube channel on how I, on learning how to uh, cook different recipes. And he always ends his videos by saying, "Guys, gals, and non-binary pals." <laughs> that's <laughs> so, that's very creative. Yeah, it, so Kenji, I wonder if his recipes are as good as the recipes for life oh, yes. found on page thirty of our All Seasons two thousand nineteen tacos yeah. <laughs> from Chef Andre Bop. Um, yeah. So yeah, so um, thank you to the patrons, and um, we appreciate you. If you are interested, head to the link in our bio, whichever social media platform or podcast platform you listen to this show or follow the show on. It's in there, I assure you. And um, yeah, you know, get get at get at us if you if you like. If not, no big deal. If you're not interested in feeding us, feed the algorithm. Rate, mm-hmm. review, subscribe. We need you. 
the master of segues, <laughs> Paul Gilleary. Also, last bit of shameless plug. We have two shirts for sale. Would you like a shirt? Do you need a shirt? We got shirts. Um, <laughs> you and I were, we're looking at some designs for new ones. You sent you know, me just, some stuff the other day. Just, just tooling around. Just, you know, you never know. You never know. We got two designs. Maybe by the end of the year, we'll have 15. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? I will, we might become the uh, the kiss of podcasts with oh, good Lord. an incredible array of <laughs> merchandise that far exceeds <laughs> the quality of our content. Anyways. <laughs> um, All right. So let, let's dive in. Yes. Uh, the, the, the good listener now knows that we're going to be talking Beat Magazine for a bit. But before sure. we get into that, uh, because th- th- there's a, a whole portion of this magazine dedicated towards live Pearl Jam, namely Ohana Fest. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Pearl Jam is currently live as we speak. Or are they, Jason? Or well, are they? Literally, at well, no, not literally, because we're nine hours behind. Um, they were meant to play. We're recording this on Sunday, the 24th. They were meant to play today in Amsterdam at the Ziggo Dome. Uh, did not. And although the, the tweet slash Instagram alluded to maybe they could do it, do the second show on Monday. I'm betting not. Uh, if he has quote unquote no voice, not seeing how he's going to be able to recover and sing a, a two hour show, uh, 24 hours later. So I'm guessing that the European leg, uh, is over. Um, this tour, I gotta say, yeah, this well, tour, <laughs> let us set the stage real quick. I mean, they, they played Paris. That was the last show they played. It was Lollapalooza in Paris. And, if you don't know, if you're if you're not from the area, you may not know that uh, Europe, especially Western Europe, was through a massive heat wave last week. Um, England, France, other parts of the area were in temperatures they never get to. We're talking in Fahrenheit. We're talking like high nineties and maybe even even above that, like crazy hot for those areas. And apparently, there were wildfires uh, in the Par- Greater Paris area, and the smoke from that, I guess, got to uh, Ed and it affected his throat and here we are a week later and no shows since how many how many damn interruptions can we get in a tour and i have to say my this is look ed take care of yourself i mean no doubt that is priority number one that said i think uh there's still space in the ether for us to say our hearts go out to these great fans in yeah. Europe. And I'm sure Eddie and the rest of the guys feel the same way. You wait so long with COVID and everything else, the pandemic to just finally see these guys on tour. And, uh, and then something like this happens. And, and I'm sure it's just another notch in the belt of frustration for everybody involved, especially the band members themselves. And so all we can hope is that, uh, you know, speedy recovery is in play and that these uh, these tour dates will will come back into the fold and and great vibes will ensue. Yeah, you know, the um the bootlegs of the f- the very beginning of the European leg ha- have been coming out just a couple days ago on Friday was uh Imola, Italy. Mm-hmm. Um haven't quite listened to that one yet. I just finished up the 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 show before in uh, in Zurich, which was a very fun one. <sighs> Uh, and, and, you know, Ed had been making points to the Zurich crowd, the Berlin crowd, the Langruff crowd, and presumably the Imola crowd as well, that they were very excited to be back. And he made a point to bring up the whole, the same thing he told us in LA. It was two years. 
two grueling years and we thought we could come back just maybe 10 weeks later. Nah, we thought we could come back the following summer. Nah, two years later, Matt gets COVID. They have to cancel (laughs) two shows and barely put on another two in, in the States. They get to, you know, and Jeff has it. That's why they canceled the other show. Then they both, they they all get healthy. They come to Europe. They crush some shows. Ed's singing has been been fantastic. Wildfires make his throat messed up. They have to cancel, what is it, what? Four shows? Five shows? Yeah. Now they have five weeks until Quebec City, September 1st. And they got, what, another 10 shows, 12 shows um, through Denver. I am on the Discord channel for Live on Four Legs. Lovely people. I enjoy being on there very much. There were some, I guess, theories or some worst case scenario positing by some people. Um, obviously, from a very worried point of view. Um, and why wouldn't you be, considering all the bad luck we've had over the last two and a half years? Mm-hmm. But people saying, you know, there's a there's a, a non-zero chance that they're done. Now, I don't think that's true. I think it's a little dramatic. But I can understand the worry that some people would have. Like, listen, these guys are closing in on 60. You, wait, you mean done with this tour or just done like in general? I don't know. I took it to mean in general. <clears throat> now, I can't. I don't personally believe I that's mean, the case. What is this based off of? A couple uh, of tour hiccups? I mean, what? <laughs> well, it's I, not like the, these. I mean, if they're at each other's throats in the bus, I, I can understand. But no, I, mean, I, I think I think the. The, the reason why they thought that is because the wording of some of these statements on Pearl Jam's social channels are pretty binary. They're pretty um, uh, all or none, I guess you could say, pardon the pun. But like, no voice, worst possible case scenario, the band's devastated, like all these things. Some people, I think, are inferring that maybe they were planning throat- on hanging it up after at the end of this. No, uh, that, that 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 his voice is so messed up that it's ir- irrecoverable. Ah, uh, well, I mean, I'm not a doctor. I, said. I, I would be surprised if that was the case. But I, I, that's what I said. We have no idea. You know, whoever whoever typed up these statements is using language that may or may not reflect the severity of the situation. You know, mm. listen, uh, Brian Johnson was was clinically deaf and had to basically end being in ACDC. They put out a new I, album. Look, I, I don't ago. think it's hyperbole here. I mean, it's fair to say the band is devastated. You, you, you're excited to play all these shows. You live for this stuff. It's been how many years since you got to go out there? You're going into these new cities. You can't. These people are dying to see you. Now suddenly you can't play. Mm. Of course they're devastated. So I don't. I wouldn't read too far into that personally. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, that's how that's how you would feel. Um, I don't. I, I can understand. After all the setbacks and all the negativity, the ups and the downs, the ups and the downs over the last two and a half years, why some people might jump to a very, um, I guess, for the band's sake, dark um, leap here. Um, I have to think that unless it is something incredibly severe, that they'll be ready to go in five weeks. I think so. Um. So we don't know. I, I just don't want anybody to, to, you know, go out too far and get too, um, you know, upset about something. That they, we don't have all the information yet. Let's just sit back, let them, let them chill for five weeks and get back out there in the road, hopefully, and let the doctors do their thing. 
but we had to mention that just because you know that's kind of the state of the state of the Pearl Jam world right now. Yeah. Um. So again, Deep Magazine. Let's let's dive in. Let's take a deep dive. Some fun deep. tidbits here, Paul. Look, I'm flipping through this thing. <clears throat> well, we're just gonna give some some bullet pointed thoughts. I think on uh, mm. each section. As, as is demarked in the table of contents. Uh, making of Gigaton. First of all, I thought this was uh, just a fantastic segment. You get Josh Evans, and it's a series of backstage studio shots. Uh, mm-hmm. None with the band, but it's, it's just the equipment, it's the space, it's the atmosphere, the environment. I think my favorite shot, and, and the one that was most arresting to me, was the 30 years of road cases. Just these boxes. Yeah, what a shot that was right there. Um, and it just stays with you. I mean, one of these days, you know, Pearl Jam, if they, you know, when they choose to, to, to finally call it quits, uh, this shot alone, I think, it personifies the band on so many different levels, to be honest with you. Um, and I think that the other cool piece here, to me, and, and then I'm going to pass the baton over to you because there, there's a lot to say just about this, this one segment mm. of the magazine. I really, really enjoyed the um the array of guitars but but most importantly i thought what was really cool was just this this kind of review of what makes great drumming you know what i'm saying oh, yeah. uh, so it's it's matt cameron's drum tech neil hunt's workbox and drum tech station and then Josh said and this is in order here he says the secret of a great drum sound in order of importance number one matt cameron <laughs> <laughs> number two great drum tech neil Number three, great drums. Four, the room. Five, the mics and recording gear. And finally, six, him, the engineers, the producers, etc. Uh, and I just think that it's it it says it speaks volumes. I think to the admiration and respect that Josh has for the band members, and uh, and how important it is. You know, we can ooh and ah at all the equipment. I mean, you've got a beautiful brand new axe at home that your wife. Gave well, you for uh, for that's your a whole 40th. other story. It is, which we, yeah, exactly. But <laughs> but just goes to show. I mean, it's great equipment, right? But at the end of yeah. the day, I mean, it doesn't matter really what you're holding or what you're doing with it. I mean, it, it comes down to the musician. You know, it comes down of to course. the man or the woman uh, who's holding that instrument and what you can do with that. And uh, I thought it was just a, a really cool moment of reverence that josh was able to pay anyway there's just a lot here just on this one segment alone so before we move on to the next one what, what were your thoughts on all these i'd love to get get i imagine that the, the shot that stood out most to you was the the pedal board mike's pedal board you are not wrong yep you know the i love the backstage the backstage the back i love the um the look inside the studio because if i could spend you know a day or two just hanging in the studio oh, like a that, kidney be, candy store Oh, the questions they'd be so annoyed with me all the questions um i love all the different guitars i love how they're set up i love there's an incredible amount of drums stacked on these shelves in the back what, what did uh, you make by the way of that uh presidential <laughs> interesting right did you notice it's like a, when, when a president delivers the state of the union address and you have the presidential well, seal you know is, and the right? columns that, can you, what's that can you read it uh, well, it's on page 15. I can't no, no, read. No. Look at it. 
So, well, not look on my screen, but look on the, on your thing. Oh, it's a, what on the page little, is, the, is it on the, the one on fifteen? Was the one I was looking. At. Is it does it show up anywhere else? Like page four, page four, four. Okay. So four. if you look at it closely, the little ribbons above the bird that it, that it's in its beak say, "Hey ho, let's go." Yeah, <laughs> it's the Ramones symbol. Nice. <laughs> so I think that's that's a cool little. And then there's a giant. Uh, I don't know who's on that cross, but someone's on that cross. Oh, it's some crazy stuff, man. Um, here's what I think about it. I think at, from, from as a musician, I can call myself that, as in I, I play an instrument. I just love nerding out on the gear. I love that they built their own um, isolation cabinet uh, for Ed's amp, and then they blew it up, essentially. Yeah. I love the amount of road cases that are individually numbered, so you know, that, oh, yeah, the uh, Mike's effects go on 207 and Stone's you know, Fender amp head goes in 208 and all that stuff. Uh, you're, you're right though about the, about Mike's pedal board. Quick escape. Talk to me. I have one. I've every time they, they posted like a, um, like a nugs, uh, concert over, mm-hmm. over pandemic. There was like a lot of 2018 shows, I think, right. Seattle, Rome, somewhere else. I can't remember. Anytime it would cut to like the overhead camera and you could see Mike's board. I tried like a screenshot because I want to know or stone. I want, I want to know what they're using so I can augment my sound to like find their mm-hmm. sound. So I'm looking at these pedals and I'm like, okay, what's that guy? Right so there? Is there a, a boss loop in there? A boss loop. Yeah. Boss loop see, pedal. I don't see a boss loop. No, I see, um, Origin effects slide rig. That's a uh, pedal to help w- with um, playing slide guitar with the uh, little Greg Allman action there. They've got <laughs> this line six in the bottom left. He's had that line. Six, I believe it's a delay pedal. He's had that for about 25 years. He's got um, MXR phase 90. It's a classic. He's got the uh, Ibanez tube screamer, TS9. He's got an EP booster, electric mis- mistress flanger. He's got the MXR carbon copy delay pedal. The afterneath upper right there is an earthquake devices pedal. It's for reverb. And then his, um, the wall pedal on the far right is a really solid wall. And then the, and the pog in the middle is the octave type pedal that he has the harmonizer that he uses a lot. It, it's um, a little, 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 little cabinet tray or something like that for every single one of these. Right. Oh it, yeah. It's, it's, it's an impressive setup and it's all the way he's got it all, um, wired. It's like these guys are pros or something. Well, you can see above it too. I don't know who's, <laughs> pedal board is above him if that's jeff or 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 stone or what but like do you see a volume pedal like there's all these cool little tidbits it's like what is he using on each track like is this this is the quick escape board he said you know what else is there i mean i'm sure he has tons and tons of effects but this is the stuff i nerd out on and then you go on the next page and you see the uh incredible array of keyboarded instruments nice. from the world of to the pedal steel to the moog to the b3 i mean just having all the toys and by the way, this magazine single-handedly redeemed you. For how many? For for how long were you recording in a bathroom of of this podcast? Oh, and, I know. And, and you finally got a and chance there they to are. see. <laughs> They're literally see. in their own bathroom. Yeah. They got. If two it's mics. good enough for Bonham, if it's good enough for Pearl Jam, it's good enough for Jason. They had a couple of mics. They look like those S fifty eights. They look like Sure 58s. No, no, no. Sorry, the, um, the Riot X goal in there. Those aren't Sure 58s. I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just. I, I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go there. I'd like to pee in that room. <laughs> Put it on a shirt, patrons. Exactly. Put it on a shirt. 
I love it. I, I love seeing all the different. I mean, look at look at Jeff's bases over on, on a nineteen. There's the Hamer twelve string from Jeremy and and Wygo. Lot of P bases. Um, we we should just take this photo and put it on a shirt and say, "May I use the facilities, please?" <laughs> There's so much here. There's so much to nerd out about. Nerd about. Nerd out about. If you're a uh, if you're a, an instrumentalist, that that didn't make any sense. A musician. <laughs> I'm just so mm-hmm. overcome by how cool all of this is. Yeah. So, so the, the musician nerd in me loved the first part of it. The second part of it, if we can move on. Yeah, we're going in. We're checking a, in with Jack. Here, the check in with Jack. So, so we, we talked a bit about Jack, but uh, what are your thoughts on this? So and a couple of things. Um, maybe I am just completely out of the loop and I will apologize to all the hardcore fans here, but I had no idea that Jack had to audition in 1994. Is that news to me, to anybody or, or just me? Look, I, I think that was more of a formality. It's like, Hey, uh, you know, he said he auditioned. He did. He does say he auditioned, but I think it was, a you know, I mean, unless he went in and was just like, guys, I, I can't, I'm having trouble with this. You know I mean, what he I mean? said it was like, it was more like jamming. It wasn't really like a proper, right. like, Hey, I mean, it wasn't, we'll song. It, it wasn't quite that. And what, what I marvel at is the fact that, uh, you know, Obviously, Jack with the Chili Peppers. I mean, I know the tenure wasn't wasn't necessarily like the length of of the entire band that spans the the, the Chili Peppers career. But mm-hmm. I was shocked when I found out that a lot of that tour, the Asia and Australia, New Zealand tour from from Vitology No Co, he had never been to some of those places. He had yeah. basically just done Europe, you know. Mm-hmm. From as big as the Chili Peppers are, remember, Chili Peppers been around since the eighties, man. I mean, th- these guys have done a yeah. lot of touring back in the day, um, and also. Some of his favorite songs to play, the ones that were more in his wheelhouse, were from the Vitology album, as opposed to No Code, which I would have never thought. I would have thought, oh, well, obviously. I mean, and Merkin Ball. And Merkin Ball, yeah. I mean, yeah. now, obviously, uh, you know, we're <clears throat> talking about the songs he had to learn. We're not talking about No Code. We're, we're discussing the first three albums here. But uh, Dave's drumming style was so uniquely different than Jack's that I can understand how Vitology, yeah. maybe, it had a bit more of a... Um, I don't want to say a garage rock sound to it, but not as much as no code did anyway. I but think, I think those sounds wasn't as big and anthemic, right? Yeah. They allowed, they allowed, um, even though, you know, Dave wrote and performed just about all the, all the drums on Vitalogy. I feel like those songs lent themselves closer to what Jack would ordinarily want to play than the first two. And I've told you, I think I told you last episode that I, I have a, I don't have a hard time, but I don't really care too much for how Jack plays those first two records. Um, just because I don't think it suits him. Yeah. He, well, he admits apparently it. He, he agrees. Yeah. He, he agrees. <laughs> Go figure. So, <laughs> so and what, 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 one more thing, actually two more things I thought were interesting about this interview. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that Dave was fired much later in the year. He's, he's saying that he was out early summer and I thought they, they kind of gave him the boot. Closer to like Halloween. Um, yeah, man, I don't remember that. I know the first gig was Bridge School, right? But I guess it was. It wasn't ever really obvious or made made unless again I haven't read that um, nugget that people already knew. But I, I thought that Dave was was in the band a little bit longer than he than he was. Yeah. The last thing was that uh, the audition slash jamming that he did when he first came in in that summer. That's where Foxy Mob came from. Yeah, I thought that was the Amazing. end of the process. Uh, me too. 
I thought it I was always like, thought oh, that we'll was like one of the last on. things that they ever recorded. <clears throat> so just, just great little nuggets there. Um, so we had a couple of fan letters here that I thought were, were very touching. I love the the photo of the family. Everybody's uh, just you know rocking out with Pearl Jam, and mm-hmm. it, it's 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 one of those bands that. It's a goal, it's, uh, Paul. For us, goal. yeah, it, it is our goal, actually. <laughs> we got the wives hooked, but I don't yep. know if we're, you know, we're, we're working on the kids. We'll see. We'll my, see. my son loves it. Hey, look, so do, so, so do my kids. But, uh, you know, at the same time, I mean, you know, let's see whether or not they still love it when they're 16 and 12, you know, all that kind of stuff. But uh, we well, hope. Machine we Gun hope. Kelly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, Josh comes back later in the magazine and mm-hmm. he talks about remixing the Moline show from 2014, where they yes. basically covered no coat from, from beginning to end. I thought this was absolutely riveting, by the way. So if, if for those of you who, who only have a digital copy of this and it just kind of sits in a junk file and you don't really check it out or you kind of scan through it, stop. Okay, stop on pages 26 <laughs> through 29 and just immerse yourself in this process because some really, really cool standout nuggets from this particular interview... I thought it was fascinating how he gets these these tapes and he's going through and he literally mixes in the crowd as though they are the seventh member of the band. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it was just that mentality of saying, okay, I'm going to kind of play around with the crowd and the sound of the crowd. I'm going to really try to integrate them because there are times where they kind of drown out the music. Like, you know, he mentions when they're singing to elderly woman or, or, you know, the harmless little, uh, where, where was that line from Jeremy, right? The, just certain lines mm-hmm. where they kind of overtake the song. And on one hand, he was thinking, well, the temptation is to kind of like rework that and remix it. So that way it doesn't completely interfere with the band's trying to do. But then it, it dawned on him. Well, hold on a second. This is a concert. You know what I mean? Like the, this is the time where the audience is taking over, but it's capturing what it feels like to be in the room at that time. Mm-hmm. So let me just kind of work that in and just accentuate that. I thought that was cool. Um, the, the, the honest approach to it, kind of like the, the desire to, to, uh, basically remix this with fidelity to the atmosphere and the culture of that particular show, leaving certain screw ups there, kind of massaging other ones. The fact that, that there was a line, I, it blows my mind. There was a line that he could not get and he had to basically ask. Oh, when the, what when was the, the line? The, was it from the line, around the bend? The line came out? Yeah, around the bend. Yeah, so there's a line that he <laughs> he couldn't, I think it was that one, he, he couldn't get the line right. And so Josh went and he asked for other versions of the song from the tour so he could basically like work in that one line. He just mm-hmm. CGI'd it basically. Basically. <laughs> basically. And I mean, that's a terrible metaphor, but uh, he just kind of worked it in. And I thought that was just really, really fascinating to me. Um, uh, no, you know what it was? It was the line. I sometimes realize it was a big moment. Hail, hail. It wasn't oh, right. from around yeah, the yeah. bend. And he went to the website, found out when they played Hail Hail on the tour, emailed John Burton to get the I Sometimes Realize line from four or five different shows so he could remove the one or two words from the original that had dropped out, I'm quoting him here, and replace them with something else. Uh, I, I don't know, man. I, it's, it's such an interesting... The surgery. Dive. The surgery of it. I mean, it's it's, a- we, we get these, these shows. We buy these boots. And, and for the most part, they're very, very well done. Like, Brett does an amazing job just kind of like flipping these concerts back to us. 
Um, and, and they're very, I don't want to say that they're raw, but they're organic and, and they're great and they sound fantastic. Mm. But what, what, this is a must own for a reason. And I think, you know, they did this treatment because they were going to release it as a vault release on vinyl. But just the fact that you had that extra layer of attention dedicated to it makes it that much more worthy, I think, of, of, of making it a must have live show. I had actually forgotten that, that Josh remixed the album or remixed the show until I read this. I was like, oh, that's right. Uh, and to your point, you know, mixing in the the crowd in the way that he did, it's so smart um, to make, because I mean, we talk about how Pearl Jam is a live band. We've talked about yeah. it a million times. They play, they make music to play it live. And the experience of the live show is everything. We, we've, we've been 20 some odd times, the both of us. And it's it's a really smart way to, remix this from his point of view he had seen he said he saw every single show since late 2008 2009 yeah. every single show he had been uh, a part of working side stage behind the stage uh and to do that is a very very smart thing um i think the the hail hail surgery is incredibly smart to your point uh and it's just it's the attention to detail to um, shine a spotlight on a very special moment that I, I appreciate he, that he took. Yeah, for sure. So a uh, hat tip to Josh for sharing this experience with us and uh, highly encourage those of you who have yet to read that to go check it out uh, at, at the risk of, uh, you know, referring to the section in a diminutive manner, which is the furthest thing from my intent. I don't think we need to spend too much time on chorizo con papas tacos. They do look delicious. I, I would like them. to know how Andre Bop was selected for this. I, I don't know if he's the the chef who who basically runs through with the band, um, or if they're just friends or, or what. I mean, it's fascinating. Yeah, it's fascinating why, why he was chosen for this. But they uh, look super good, though. They really do. I think I would have to check those out sometime before the end you of the like, summer. You like cilantro? I do. It's a must I have. Love cilantro. Yeah, must Amazing. have. So listen, uh, your yes. thoughts from studio to stage. The next segment from mm. this magazine, Pearl Jam producer Josh Evans talks about the process of translating songs from Backspace or Lightning Bolt and beyond into their concert incarnations, as well as working with Brendan O'Brien on those projects. And then finally, right. some of the detective work that went into trying to get the sound just right. Oh, man. That was a chef's kiss in honor well, of Andre It Bob. was. No, <laughs> Well done. Um, I told you, guys, he's the master of segues. So when Josh was talking about how he had to try and create some of the weird keyboard-style instruments that Brendan O'Brien used in Backspacer for Boom to use live, that is wild. That he would, if he didn't have the instrument or he couldn't get the instrument to essentially map the, the actual sound into a keyboard. There are, so, there are sounds in these tracks that I don't think I ever realized were even there. How many thousands of times have we listened to those albums? Well, here's... <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. No, that's it. I mean, oh. I, you're, he's talking about how many layers of, of just synths and, and boards and this and that, and I'm thinking, really? <laughs> well, here's here's the thing, is that I that's... noticed... We did the... um. We did the the retracking of Backspacer, I don't know how many episodes ago, a long time ago. I'm pretty sure we did that, right? Uh, I believe we did, yeah. Yes, we have, we have, we have. That one has been done. So I remember when we went back and listened to that, I, I do that. I, when I do the retrackings, I wear, I wear headphones. And I have it 
pretty loud. And I remember noticing in the fixer, there's a strong, it's like a digital fuzzy bass thing, but it's definitely probably a keyboard. And it almost replaces one of the guitars in a way. It gets very prominent on one of the sides. I was like, I never really noticed that before. The, the, I love these interviews because now I'm going to go back again, re-listen to the album, looking out specifically for these weird little instruments. And there, I guess there was one thing on on Just Breathe where he he couldn't, like the instrument that they used, that Brendan O'Brien used in the, in the studio is like some super rare thing. And he couldn't find a version of it, right? Because he would, otherwise he would have just been like, "Oh, is oh, this no, the flute?" Thing. Yeah, it's yes, a, it's the flute thing. He thought it was a flute, it has like a flute or organ sound. He thought it was a flute or some kind of a recorder. He finds out that it's an instrument called a portative, <laughs> which is a Renaissance era instrument. It's yeah. very, very old. It's a pump organ. It literally probably had reeds and pipes in its original. <laughs> it's you were saying that, yeah. He goes back and basically does digital sampling to like find, to like make up the sound. And then, oh no, I'm sorry. He, he did that for something else. He, he, he actually went back to the masters of this song and pulled those and then mapped those as a digital sample to the keyboard so yeah. that Boom could play it. Nuts. Like the attention to detail to grab these little, because, and what's funny is when you listen to, um, just breathe live from that from that tour. You know, we were lucky enough to have the strings yeah. to flesh it out. But oh, if, man, it, if you nice. didn't have yeah. that, it really was on um Jeff and Boom to fill in with with the other stuff that's in the background. Because when you when it's just Ed in in the guitar, it's lovely, but you notice what's missing. Yeah. Even though it's very subtle on the record, you notice what's missing. And you, when you add those guys back in, you go, oh, there it is. There's the bed. There's the atmosphere that we're looking for. And it, the, to find the way that he had to go about doing that so that Boom could have the option. Did, did you, on Unthought Known, he says that along with the piano, there's some synthesizer pads, almost like an analog synth ghosty thing. You hear it a lot when the song kind of drops down to the see the path cut by the moon part. There's this sort of wah, right? I'm, this is what he's saying. Here. Yeah. Some of that was just going on with software synthesizers and finding something similar to whatever Brendan used. Have you heard that in the song? I, I had to go back again. Got to listen to it. Ah, man, I'm telling you, it's just crazy. It it's really, this, really it, is. And it, so you got to you gotta put your headphones on, turn it up and just look out for these things, you know, try and tune Ed out <laughs> and just listen under the covers, essentially, you know? Yeah. Uh, I think that, when he's talking about the song you are that was cool the backwards piano stuff and trying to account for that like why i want to did he take it upon himself to do that did the band say hey do you think you could help us out and get these things for boom well i appreciate it i appreciate it you know we talked about the live cut of this song when we had it on our episode a while back and I had mentioned how determined I was to kind of see how well they could recreate some of that sound. Because mm. what, what, what I continue to lament is the absence of some of that atmospheric sound from sleight of hand whenever they play it live. Yeah. And, and the one cut I do have of it that I think is the best live cut, there's some replication of that in some degree. The fact that Josh recognized, hey, 
these effects are a really an integral part of the sonic landscape of this composition. And they decided, or he decided, I should say, it'd be really cool to get some of those noises that are on the track into the live version. It means a lot to me. And I think it should mean a lot to every Pearl Jam fan who goes out and says there was a conscious effort to try to bring the spirit of this track out during this performance in ways that might otherwise ordinarily not be possible if you just had raw organic instruments in front of you. So like, let's listen and go find a version of UR from pre-2008 and then listen to one after 2008 and see, are those little things there? How, how much do they add to the character of the song? And I have to imagine that all of these things that Josh has done probably heavily contributed to the reasons why Gigaton was made the way that it was and why Josh Klinghoffer was asked to come in mm. because there's only th- so many things you can map to a keyboard for, for boom. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so to have Josh as your second, you know, utility player on, on the, on the stage. Well, that's why I think the, um, the live boots are so key because depending on where you're standing or sitting for a live show or how close mm. you are, how loud they are, there's so much nuance to what they're trying to do that you may not, it, some of it may get drowned out, but when you get to hear these, these, uh, these shows as, as they get mixed by Brent, um, by Brett and you listen to them, you're going to start hearing some of those little additions that I think are going to add a whole new layer of appreciation to what Josh is bringing to this project and to these shows. Uh, cling offer, by the way. Um, mm. it, so I'm excited. I'm really, really excited about uh, continuing to dive into these boots, despite the fact that the tour has been uh, somewhat rife with uh, some trial and tribulation yeah. at times. Uh, I think at the end of the day, you know, we're, we're still going to have some really memorable performances to talk about. And and we will talk more about um, this run of these run of shows uh, over the past uh, couple of months with Randy Sobel from uh, Live on Four Legs and David. Yantosh, I'm going to say, mm. I, I'm probably going to mispronounce that name of uh, livefootsteps.org. Next Cannot episode, wait to have those gentlemen. So we'll get to get their takes um, about all of this. And I'm sure they've read this as well. Um, I want to ask you a question. Sure. The first time that I had seen Pearl Jam live, first time you had seen Pearl Jam live since the Lightning Bolt tour was Ohana Fest. Mm-hmm. Um, that was my first trip to Ohana. Actually, no, that's not true. I saw them in 2018. Oh yeah, you did. But uh, so for me, it was the first time I had seen him since then. Even for you though, 2018, it was, it was it was a while ago. So my question to you is this: you, you, at the end of this Deep Magazine, there are these little retrospectors from some of the guests of Ohana from 2019: mm-hmm. Glenn Hansard, Liz Fair, Johnny Marr, uh, the, the the wonderful sisters of Haim, who are actually uh, Valley Girls, by the way. I don't know if you knew that. Mm-hmm. Last I checked, they were uh, here in the San Fernando Valley, not not too far down the road from us. So my, my question to you is, when, when you're reading these retrospectives, the vibe that they they talk about, did you feel from the other side of the stage that there's uh, some some parallel symmetry to to our experience or to your experience? In and what, what it is that what like the meaning the vibe that like I'm going to read this line from Liz Fair here. She said. Uh, Ohana was a first-class festival, amazing lineup, great backstage area and main stage location, clean, precision run, friendly, fantastic gift bag. I can't think of anything negative to say whatsoever. And then I'm going to read one line from uh, Glenn Hansard here. Uh, Everybody on the bill 
Ed chose. One of the things I love about Ed and feel similarly about the way I operate is that you'd be surprised what music a guy in a worldwide successful rock band listens to wouldn't necessarily be the music you think. Right. So, I mean, just respond to some of that. Yeah. A couple, I'm trying to think of which shows or which days, because there was five total days. If you count the encore weekend, um, we were there for most of the first two days, like pretty. Did it feel precision run to you? I, I did not have a problem with, with any of it. It felt, well, it definitely was a smaller festival. Yeah. So because of the size, as, it helps. as I hope it remains. The only thing I could think of is, um, you know, they, they, they sold merch outside the venue starting at 9am um, every day. And they weren't great at the beginning of the day of, of uh, shooing away the resellers, which was unfortunate. But outside of that, um, you get in there. Everyone is super helpful. The lines move pretty quick. There were a ton of tents. Like if you wanted food, there were a ton of options. You waited for like three or four minutes. No big deal. Um, same with booze. No biggie. Um, the longest times were merch lines, but that's to be expected. Yeah. Uh, people were super accommodating when you wanted to like find a spot. You know, there was big bleachers in the back, but there were there was a big lawn area that was kind of slanted down toward this towards the stage and people had their towels out towards the top of that by the walkway and as you went more closer to the stage people were just kind of standing around or if it was in between sets people kind of sitting in their spots yeah but it it was not packed together at all like it was pretty spread out you could kind of walk where you wanted to it's a pretty cool music festival it was chill it yeah there's a part of me that one of these days i don't know if it'd be this year or next but just to be able to say hey let's just go down to like dana point get i was thinking about talking to my wife about this just get a place by the beach just airbnb you know hang out with kids whatever obviously we'd have to work out some kind of a babysitter arrangement but uh, especially since the the music starts pretty darn early in in the day because there's a lot of acts but uh it man what a fun experience it would be to just kind of immerse yourself into ohana you know what i mean like yeah. for me i mean you were down there so you had a little bit more of an experience than i did for me i drove down with you day of we saw the show we drove back that night but uh, to just kind of just be parked there and just, you know, make that part of the experience. I mean, how many bands out there can say, anybody who's listening to this right now, you all listen to other bands. I listen to hundreds of other bands. Almost none of them, as a matter, I can confidently say none of them, have their own music festival that they run and invite yeah. you know, 15, 20, 30 other prominent artists to participate in it. It's a pretty big deal. And I think that uh, it, it, if, if this is the trajectory of Pearl Jam's legacy. I really like where it's at. I agree. I agree. I was a little, a little sad that they weren't going to be on this year's Ohana bill, but uh, what are you going to do? Well, All right, guys. Um, curious if you have any strong feelings about, um, about this episode. I keep calling it an episode, but it's not an episode because it's a physical it's piece of media yeah. called a magazine or a newsletter or something, but it's from all seasons. <laughs> 2019 they just they're just laughing what are you gonna do it's three years old it's the whole (laughs) year instead of a season god bless them yeah Uh, are we are we gonna get more of these like what's the deal that's what i I don't know (laughs) well we get well we get 2020 and well there's nothing to say i mean it's pandemic i mean you know i get well there was a lot happening then then an album came out and then Uh, yeah, yeah there was some stuff going down we'll see We'll see. I don't know. Let us know what you guys think about the uh, about the issue of deep. 
Uh, if we missed anything that you really wanted to talk about, mention it to us and we'll have a conversation online. Uh, but until that happens, uh, let's get to our lyric of the week. Lyric of the week this week, we're going to go back to Avocado, Pearl Jam, and we're going to do Severed Hand. This is the uh, interlude bridge. I don't know what you call it, but it's towards the end. It's basically the last lyrics of the song. What do you make of it? You know, there, there were two sections of this track that I, I thought about discussing. And what I like about it is that just depending on which section I gave you, I think we have a dramatically different kind of conversation, um, which is cool. Cause eventually, you know, later on in, in the uh, career of this podcast, I think uh, that that'll, That'll come back into the fold. But in this particular instance, these lines here, if I don't lose control, explore, not explode. A pre-natural, a preternatural, pardon me, other plane with the power to maintain, like a tear in all we know. Once dissolved, we are free to grow. What is human? What is more? I'll answer this when I get home. You know, Stone's talked about how this song is really about just kind of letting go, just wanting to get drunk and, and you know, un unhinged and just kind of unplug check out for a bit not in a destructive way like mm-hmm. a self-destructive or unhealthy way or a violent way it's just the idea of saying hey you know what i'm just i'm gonna live a little bit i'm gonna kind of have some fun and i'm gonna untether myself from all of these responsibilities that i know i need to get to what is human what is more right i'll answer this when i get home <laughs> um if I don't lose control, explore, I love this, explore and not explode. And that, I think, is such a key line. It's about exploring another plane of mm. existence. It doesn't mean you have to like literally be on hallucinogenics. I mean, it's just finding and exploring other aspects of who you are as a person and seeing people through different lenses that comes with just having fun and being in a very loose setting. You're exploring. You're not exploding. You're not there to self-destruct. Uh, with the power to maintain like a tear in all we know. Uh, it, it's, it's, it, it, it's a fine line. You know what I mean? It's mm. a very fine line. And I know because, uh, you know, I, I think anybody listening to this has found him or herself teetering on the edge of that line and finding on varying occasions throughout one's life that you fall into one or the other side of that tear. Um, once dissolved, we are free to grow. I think uh, th- th- I, this, I always think of like an Alka-Seltzer tablet, just like fizzing. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, just kind of who here on the show does not know what Alka-Seltzer is. Oh, Let's just God. define <laughs> our, our median <laughs> age right now. <laughs> I haven't seen those things advertised in. Oh, I don't even know if they make them. Anymore. Sure, I think you see them at like a convenience store, like at the counter at this point in time. You know what I mean? Like when you're What's checking out little tablets. Store? God bless it. <laughs> Carry on. Sorry. Anyway, um, I, I just really fascinated by the song. Um, I think it's, it is an absolutely outstanding rock song. 
I really, really do. It, it It's a crushing rock song. And we'll talk a little bit more about it when we get into the live cut of the week. But uh, for this particular set of lyrics, I think it encapsulates so much in a lot of ways. You know, uh, take substances out of the equation. You could just as easily take that set of lyrics to describe what it's like listening to Pearl Jam live and just being there at an in-show experience. Oh, fun. See, I like that because I decided to go right for the right for the obvious. And I've always obviously, I mean, there's so many obvious touch points to just getting obliterated or, or lit <laughs> or whatever. Um, so trying to decode the wonders of life while being high as shit. That, that's just, that's just fun. You know, that's a good time. Um, I've always really liked these lyrics. Um, and even if I'm not one to get high as shit, um, just never lived in my jam. Uh, although I am 40. So you know, who knows what the second half of my life is going to bring. I might just become, you know, an ayahuasca man. I don't know. Um, I like the idea of living life to the fullest. I think to your point, uh, pushing the boundaries. Uh, although I will not go skydiving or any, <laughs> any physically risky ventures like deep water diving. or anything. It's not going to happen. Not going to do it. Never knew that about you. I, I hate deep water and I hate heights. Uh, the pair, like the, the, the ends of our earth. I don't like just keep me like within a reasonable <laughs> distance of, of ground. I'll be happy. Of sky and ground. <laughs> exactly. Um, anyways, but, but within the constraints of my physical fears, I am trying to push myself mentally to open up the old third eye a bit and, and find and find the, the dark sides of all the moons out there. If I can use that turn of phrase, kind of, you know, reading more, um, being more open-minded about topics I'd previously been probably pretty stubborn um, about, pretty sure of. And I think it's a problem in not only this country, but the world where we prefer the safety of our bubbles. We like our, our cultural bubbles, but, but the world is both big and small, if you catch my drift. And I think opening ourselves up to worldviews, we might previously scoff at or look down on is key. Hmm. Uh, this doesn't mean I'm changing my opinion per se, but it does mean that I can feel more confident that whatever I think about something that's going to be made with nuance in mind with respect to the contrary, at least. So while I may not make it to the preternatural other plane. I do think that once dissolved, we are free to grow. Once we break down our biases and reassess each situation with an open mind, we're just being better humans. We're being more communal, more empathetic. I think this is kind of the whole vibe of Pearl Jam. This is the essence of Pearl Jam. This whole section here. This is, as you said perfectly, this is the essence of the band. I think finding this new level of being is as human as it can get. And I really hope more of us can make the attempt with or without the help of drugs to see a more 360 view before forming opinions about the rest of us. And, you know, you ended talking about going to a show and this being the encapsulation. I think it's the band. I think it's the, the entire vibe talking about vibes this episode, right? So vibey man. Um, that is the vibe of Pearl jam. This section is Pearl jam. It is whether or not you want to, need the help or don't need the help from other things to find that other plane, to see things from a different point of view, to be, to grow as a human, I think is, it's just so, so key. Um, 
but that last line always makes me laugh. Y'all, I'll answer this when I get home. It's like, yeah. well, I'll, I'll, I'll come back to that. But for now, let's just go ahead and hang out and have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> Pearl Jam show. That's all. It's a Pearl Jam show. Yeah. It's perfect. And you're right. Great this song. is a great rock song. But we'll talk about it more in our live cut of the week. Ready? All right, Paul, live cut of the week, Severed Hand. We agree it's a hell of a rock song. Uh, one of the songs on this record that has a few options. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, I, I was torn, to be honest with you. My, my, you my first choice for a while was actually uh, the Santa Barbara cut, which I did you You were at? No, were you at that show? I was not at Santa Barbara, although I wish I had gone because um, it's a very small amphitheater. And I think that's where we chose our favorite version of Life Wasted, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. It's a great show. I love, love the cut there. But, uh, we have the benefit of um, imagining corners where the band participate. I, you know, I don't know if they curated that themselves or who chose this version. Mm. You know what I mean? But th- this, the version of severed hand from Milan is utterly fantastic. It is absolutely just chef's kiss beauty. It's fantastic. It's uh, September 17, 2006, the forum in Milan.
Yeah, Paul. So this one is, I love it. I, I there, there are some t- some choices where I'm like, I have to be convinced. I'm like, hmm, this one, and I listen to them, like, all right, okay, okay, and then you'll convince me more on the back end. Some I'm just like, hmm, not my choice, but I hear what you're saying. And then some I'm like, oh, this is a hundred percent. This is the last one. Uh, it's super tight. I love the effects that both Stone and Mike are working with on their guitars. I love that it's a little bit faster than the studio version. This is one of those songs where it should, I think, be a little bit faster when it's live, just a touch. Obviously, Mike is on fire with the solo. And I think that Matt and Jeff are absolutely driving everything to a T. When you talk about a rhythm yeah. section, this is this is what you want out of rhythm section, especially on an up-tempo rock song. There was there's no fat on this performance whatsoever. Everything was nutritious in this song. This <laughs> <laughs> just every little bit was nutritious. This, I love this it. This song crushes. It, it's yeah. I said this to you before we jumped on. I don't know why it's not a regular staple on every tour. I mean, this song live, it is a it's just an, it, it has a rip roaring solo at the end. Mm-hmm. And uh I mean the intro gets everybody clapping. The the main rhythm riff is just just a fantastic rocker. It just you know it, it gets the foot stomp and the head bop. I the, it, it I mean literally the more I listen to it, the more I, I'm starting to think that it is. I don't want to say it's the most underrated Pearl Jam song from right or from uh, Avocado, but I'm starting to say it, it's worthy of being put in the conversation of being one of the most underrated songs. Period from the band. Well, we will eventually do that list. Most underrated songs in the entire catalog. Uh, And I can see, I mean, I think a lot of the songs on this album, people kind of look past now that we're 16 years past it. I I mean, this and and Marker in the Sand, I mean, it. those are two solid tracks, man. And listen, some people are listening right now. They're going, I disagree. They're boring. They're stock. They're blah, blah, blah. Okay, listen, you you obviously are, are allowed to have your opinion. Yeah. Yeah, and you're allowed to be wrong. It's fine. It's just you know, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But honestly, like this song, um, this performance was the let me look it up. I think it was the fifth or sixth track on the um, on the it was show or the or seventh. the DVD. No, sixth. It was the sixth track on the show. Okay. Go, last exit, save you. Worldwide suicide, corduroy, severed hand. I. I don't oh, know. They came why. out of the gate swinging at that show, by the way. Absolutely. <laughs> I love the Milan show from 06. Fantastic show. Actually, all the Italy shows from that year were fantastic. But why this song doesn't open up the show more often? I mean, yeah. the way that that song. What a great call. That is a great call. This is the, the whole opener thing? we never realized we needed. <laughs> and new, we're getting new, some surprise hey, ones on this new, tour. New episode idea. Huh? All right. Should be openers. Hmm? Put that, put that, we'll put the, put a pin in that one. Maybe, maybe a few weeks down the line, we'll do that. Um, any last thoughts on this performance, this song? No, I, I just think it's, uh, it, it's hard to find. First of all, I, I don't hear a lot of bad versions of it, to be honest with you. Mm. Um, but I think that uh, this one takes the cake. All right, gang. There it is. Episode 117 in the books. Um, we hope you enjoyed it again. Please feed the algorithm rate review subscribe on spotify you can give it five stars i believe is how that thing works and again if you are interested in joining us on patreon please do link is in the bio 
Um, shirts for sale. Shirts for sale. We've got yeah. shirts for sale. We're working our way towards <laughs> that. I, I do have to say that uh, for those listening, um, we've had a good handful of listeners talk in messages that they send us about how they they're going back and listening. Like they they found us later, mm. and they're going back and listening to some some of our early episodes. I uh, I think that we've tried to maintain a certain semblance of evergreen in every episode, even the ones that were very topical for any given particular point in time. I think there were still some evergreen qualities to those episodes. Uh, so if, if you, if you're, if you're listening, if there's something we've ever covered or talked about in the past that you'd like us to revisit, if there's something that you'd like us to talk to about, uh, to you about, I should say, don't ever hesitate to reach out and say, Hey guys, back on episode 63, Paul. Oh God. <laughs> what did I say? Uh, feel free to do so because uh, look, we put them out there. We stand by them. I'm sure some of them we wish we could go back. And I stand it. by them until I don't. Yeah, exactly. But uh, nonetheless, uh, you know, we're going to continue to try to maintain that, that balance so that these things can continue to kind of live on and, and, you know, not, not feel dated and, and uh, rooted in a, a bygone era as the years go on. One more thing I wanted to get off my chest here. Um, we last week asked you guys to send us your Pearl Jam tattoos. And oh, yes. A lot I of you did. I am remiss. Some of you um, did. Yeah. We got so, some shout outs here. Yeah. So what I'm going to do is sometime this week, we're going to put out a, an Instagram post with all the photos that y'all posted either on Facebook or on Instagram, um, direct messages or whatever. Um, we'll compile them in one beautiful place. Um, one here from Mark Hopkins is lovely. Oh, to get disclaimer, though, Jason, if yes. anybody who sent us those photos is not comfortable with us, reach out, recirculating them. Yeah, yeah. Let us know. We're happy. You know, obviously, we wouldn't do that. I, I imagine that you you wouldn't be opposed to that, but but uh, if you are, they are. <laughs> you have every right I to say. say I those, sent that to you guys, you know, but I don't want you to send that to anybody. Those are, uh, these are the ones that are, are, have been PM'd. If you put it on Facebook, I imagine that you have no problem because that's public. That's uh, but the, but the direct messages, I'll, I'll, we'll certainly ask. Um, this is from Mark. He goes, been wanting to get a tattoo for probably 20 years. And I finally did as a grown ass man, favorite band. The reason I am a musician today in my favorite album from that band. And it's a picture of basically the sick man coming out of the red outline of the yield sign. Oh, would you look at that? Outstanding. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Very cool. So we will, um, I'll, I'll message Mark and whoever else DM'd us their photos uh, and put them up for you guys to all enjoy. We appreciate you guys sharing that stuff. And um, yeah, let's talk next week with Randy and David about this tour, shall we? Yep. Excited all right, guys. Until then, you're listening to The State of Love and Trust. Yeah.